right, all those who are kindergarten through fifth grade, if you would please make your way up, up front here and uh, be prepared to uh, head downstairs this morning with your teachers. Again, I just want to remind you while they're gathering that uh, beginning February, we're going to do the same thing with preschoolers. We're going to uh, try that out, uh, three-year-olds, four-year-olds, five-year-olds. Uh, they're going to join us so they could witness worship and, and sit with you and watch you worship. And then, during this time, our, our elementary age is going to make their way here. And the, uh, the, the younger, the preschooler, is going to make their way to the back where they'll, they'll go back for their lesson time. Bye, guys. Enjoy your morning. <laughs> there we go. Cross, cross my heart. It's the series we're in. Again, it's the focus upon the covenant promises of God. These are significant promises that we're looking through. I believe they're significant because they affect us today. Every single one of the promises we're going through, like this morning, affect our lives today and our relationships with God. We began with that covenant promise that was created or spoken by God after the flood. And he promised Noah, not going to do this again. Because of man's sinfulness, I'm not going to have that worldwide flood and, and, and destroy everyone. Uh, so the good promise, right? Yay for that promise. Uh, last week we dealt with the promise uh, that was given to Abraham. Abraham chosen for no particular reason we could see in Scripture, but drawn out and promised, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And so the promises unfolded in these areas. I, you know, I'm going to... I'm going to multiply your offspring, and, and I'm going to give you promised land. The offspring is going to be like the stars in the sky and as vast as the dust of the earth. It's just going to be uh, too difficult to number even. Um, I, just to say, the promise that we're looking at today is very much connected to the promise of Abraham. Matter of fact, let, let me go from the history uh, leave it. We left off with Abraham and, and go briefly, quickly, up until the, the next covenant, a significant covenant that we're looking at today. Uh, the promise that was given to Abraham, of course, was passed on to his son Isaac. The, the same thing was said, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And from Isaac to his son Jacob had the same promise repeated to him. And then through Jacob, we begin to see a multiplying of those families. Uh, Jacob had 12 sons. Amongst them, of course, young Joseph. And, and God, through Joseph, preserved uh, Jacob's family. Uh, during a, a major famine that came later in life, the story you might be familiar with, that, that uh, early on, uh, Jacob's brothers... And, and I understand Jacob seemed like a real brat. You're going to bow down to me and, and things like that. And, and Joseph gets sold. You know, then realizing that God uses Joseph for this important purpose. Joseph is sold into slavery, ends up in Egypt. And through God's you know, wisdom, through God's direction, Joseph ends up being second to Pharaoh in all of Egypt. Therefore... Uh, during a severe famine, Joseph reconnects with his family who's looking for sustenance and food. And, and once identified, Jacob and his family moved to Egypt. 
and they're given the land of Goshen, where there in Goshen, they begin to multiply and, and become a great nation there in Egypt. Matter of fact, uh, the beginning of Exodus says the Pharaoh at that time, who was is, who is well after the Pharaoh during the, that famine, and Joseph has been forgotten, begins to say, oh man, the, the numbers are becoming too great. We need to do something about this. Uh, the Israelites are put into slavery in that time. And, but even then, they continue to multiply and, and become a great nation. 400 years, they're in slavery. And so God now chooses to deliver his people through the man Moses. So he chooses Moses, and he delivers uh, this nation out of Egypt through the plagues. He delivers them out of uh, slavery. He delivers them from Pharaoh's army. If you remember the parting of the sea, and, and once the nations passed, the, the waters come tumbling down upon <coughs> Pharaoh's army. He also delivers them through the desert, the barren place. I mean, you're taking a multitude of people to a place where there's no water, no food. So God supplies bread from heaven. God supplies water from a, a, a rock in the desert. And so he continues to, to reveal himself to this nation. And they make their way to Mount Sinai. And, and there is where God makes very clear this covenant that he's going to establish. Simply put, that covenant is this, that I will be your God and you will be my people. Eric mentioned it earlier on. I will be your God and you will be my people. And, and so uh, uh, along with this covenant, important to, to our message today, he produces, I mean, how, how are we going to be your people? What, what direction do we, do we have? What guidelines do we have to be the people of God? A unique people, a significant people for God. And God creates the commandments. Now, we know the Ten Commandments, correct? Familiar with the Ten Commandments? There's the commandments. The beginning part is, I'm going to be the one and only. I am the only God. You're not going to serve any other gods. You're not even going to create images to serve other gods. And you're going to be honoring to my name. Uh, uh, then there's also parts of those, that Ten Commandments that focuses on our relationships with each other. Hey, you're going to be honoring of your parents. You're not going to kill. You're not going to steal. You're not going to bear false witness. Uh, you're not going to covet your neighbor's wife. You're not, uh, all these are within the Ten Commandments. But then uh, there are more commandments that follow, right? The building of the tabernacle. Uh, so just, just to break it down, not to go through all the laws, but they are significant in being a people separate and holy before God. Here's how you conduct yourselves. There's rituals you're going to uh, live. There, there are sacrifices that, that, and the description of those sacrifices laid out, sacrifices that, that's going to bring praise to God. Be Thanksgiving offerings that are identified and offerings, sacrifices that are given for forgiveness. All laid out. In, in these scriptures. It also has a description laid out concerning the priests uh, that are going to be the go-between between Israel, all of Israel, and, and God himself. These priests were going to conduct, they were going to be, uh, again, they themselves are going to be separated. Uh, they're going to go through cleansing rituals, and they're going to go into the Holy of Holies where the presence of God later on was, was going to, to present himself as a representative uh, of, of the people 
the, the priest would go in and, and, and present uh, sacrifices and, and those things on, 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 on the people's behalf. Uh, significant also are, are the, uh, uh, let me see, the purity. Things about being pure. You know, there are things that you could eat that you would make you unclean. Things that you would touch that would make you unclean. And then also the days, the washings, different things that would make you pure again. All that was within, contained within the books of Leviticus, uh, actually beginning in Exodus and then repeated in Exodus and then repeated again in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy means second law. Deuteronomy came much later. Uh, the first law was written down and they began to follow. Oh, but the people... They were, uh, you know, they were uh, ungrateful. Uh, as they continued through the desert, uh, they, they could not see ahead. They kept thinking about what was behind because they're in, you know, kind of a difficult place. They're in, in the desert, even with God's provisions. They were uh, just a, a difficult people. They spent 40 years because of their unfaithfulness. When they saw the opportunity for the promised land, they grumbled. And, and because of that, they spent 40 years in the promised land. And after the 40 years, a, a new generation had risen, and they were ready to receive what God had promised a long time ago to Abraham. They're going to enter into the promised land. And so this second law was written, this book of Deuteronomy. I know Eric read portion of it. I'd like to read another portion of it for you this morning, again, to remind us of this situation. Deuteronomy 7, verses 6 through 11. Here's what he's doing. He says, here's what I've done for you. Here's what I've given you. And, and actually, in the verses I'm about to read, he, he's saying, here's your identity. Here's your identity as God's people. Beginning verse 6. Beginning verse 6 of Deuteronomy chapter 7. He says, the Lord did not... No, excuse me. Start, starting verse 6. Uh, oh, 7 verse 6. Oh, I'm sorry. Anyway, let me start again. Uh, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. Uh, if he was speaking directly to us, that's a woo-hoo, okay? That, that, that really is. I, I, you are a holy people, and especially to say that you are God's treasured possession. That's not to say you're, you're God's people. That takes it to another level, right? You are my people, my treasured possession. You, you are valuable. You are significant before God. And you are a holy people, says that same thing. You are set apart for his purposes. Verse, verse 7 then says, the Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. For you were the, excuse me, but it, it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land, the, the hand, the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is faithful. He is the faithful God keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. But those who hate him, he will, pay, he will repay to their face by destruction. He will not be slow to repay to their face 
those who hate him. Therefore, take care to follow the commands, decrees, and laws I give you today. And then in Deuteronomy, he goes ahead and restates the laws. Again, the the name of the book is the second law. The significance of what we see taking place here is God has chosen a people. He's chosen a nation, started with Abraham, and now they are becoming that nation. And, and, And what we take from this passage is that God's chosen people follow through obedience. Do you hear the message of obedience? Hey, you're going to be my God. People follow. That means follow means to obey. Follow the things that I've laid out for you. And it's actually an important message for us to hear today. We don't like to talk about obedience. And to let you know very simply, very clearly, obedience is not really based upon our salvation, is it? Obedient, as long as you obey, you're going to be saved. That's not our beginnings. We're going to really see that as we unfold it this morning. But obedience is a key word to God's people. If we are God's people, we're going to follow. If we're God's people, we are going to be obedient to what he says. I want us to learn this word, especially when we think about our situation today. And the reason is because, hey, do we live under a law? Do we, we label them anywhere and, and have that? Well, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But first of all, the one thing I want us to think about in obedience, when it comes to the obedience that's laid before us, uh, and what we learn about obedience is obedience should be, I, I think I put obedience is, but instead I think it's better to say obedience should be the response of God's choosing in his favor. I, the people... Uh, Israel should be responding well to what God has done for them. Uh, you, you think about it, he's, he's taken them through famine, he's taken them through uh, the desert and, and has provided for them. He's taken them out of slavery, out of bondage. I, in, in, the, in, in Moses and his coming, I mean, what, were, what was it that Pharaoh was doing trying to reduce their numbers? Hey, you, you kill, uh, if it's a boy child, kill him. Uh, that, that was part of their slavery. He was trying to control their numbers and things like there There was abuses going on and, and, and murder of their people. And, and all they could think about is go back to Egypt. <laughs> but, but there ought to be gratitude, you know, a thankfulness. When, when someone expresses love to you in a gift, I mean a significant gift, what's your response? Isn't it at least appreciation, Right? And if it, if it is a gift where, where love is expressed, isn't it love that we would respond with you know, to, to, to do that as well? God favored and blessed the nation of Israel. Uh, so many things that he's done for them. And, and even, it wasn't just everything he's done for them, but also if you listen carefully to what Eric read, that if, if you follow me, if you obey my commandments, guess what, what was coming? Blessings. The blessings was to be productive. Hey, you plant a field and, and, and uh, uh, you raise a crop, that's going to be blessed. You're going you're to be productive with the land, and you're going to be productive in growing families. You're going to be able to conceive, and the children are going to be healthy. You're going to be healthy. But, but what was required is that you be obedient. And then God's going to make himself known through his blessings. 
That was, that was a, a, a part of following through in obedience before God. Uh, you know, the right response for us today is obedience. Uh, to follow, to, to come under this, uh, to subject ourselves to, to Jesus as Lord is where we come. That's what we put ourselves under. We receive him as Savior. We also receive him as our Savior. We receive him as our Lord because he has given his all for us. The natural response would be for us to give ourselves to him and, and, and to fall into that obedience before Christ. Isn't that right? Wouldn't that be true? Well, it, Peter makes it clear. We go into the New Testament's different. Again, we're under a different covenant. But Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 15, he identifies us as obedient. Here's what he says. He says, as obedient children. And, and, and he's identifying those. He's speaking to those who are children through Jesus, through that uh, death and, and through the blood and covering of, of his blood, Jesus. You are obedient children. Do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. There is a difference in a life of someone who comes into Jesus. It's, if we say, well, what, is this a commandment? Well, it is a change that is beginning to take place in your life. And yeah, if you're in Christ, there is a transformation once living in evil, living like everyone else in this world, you are now joined to that family, uh, uh, to his kingdom, then you are unique. You become a part of God's treasured possession. Isn't that right? Through Jesus, we become a part of that treasured possession uh, where God values and identifies us as his children. The second truth I want to share with you this morning, I, I think we see this through Israel as well, that our natural response is disobedience. Uh, don't forget who we are. It, it, the the should-be response is to respond with obedience, but the natural response that we have is disobedience. Let's, let's, let's just be honest this morning, okay? How many of you have been around a two-year-old lately? You know, and you know where I'm going with this. You, you tell a two-year-old, don't do this. And they will look at you and do it. I remember it was just this summer, Jared was telling Oliver, don't jump off the trampoline. It, he was jumping off and on the cement. Dad thought, hey, you're gonna, just going to get yourself hurt. Don't do it. And Oliver just got right back up there and looked straight at his dad and did it. Right? <laughs> just did it. And he does that a number of times. I mean, that's what two-year-olds do. Hey, we're two-year-olds. Before God, a lot of times we're two-year-olds, aren't we? We just defy and, and, and oh, I know it's wrong. <laughs> I, I know it's wrong. I know it's right. And, and this is not anything that's glorifying God. Matter of fact, I could absolutely identify what I'm doing as sinfulness. And, and uh, uh, that was Israel. That, that was Israel. You know, hey, listen, this is the way you need to live. This is the way you need to follow. And he laid out the commandments. And even Deuteronomy chapter 31, before they cross into uh, uh, the promised land, God laid out this prophecy about them. 31 verses 16 through 19, if you want to look it up. But basically in there he said, hey, these people, as they enter into the promised land, they're going to prostitute themselves before other gods. Or they're going to prostitute themselves with other gods. They're, gonna, they're going to reject me. They're going to break this covenant. Israel 
what was a nation that continued to disappoint, continued to disobey, and, and, and break the covenant between them and God. And, and matter of fact, he also said, no, I will destroy them. He will follow through in the promise he made. Uh, you know, hey, you, you believe, you, you, you follow, you are obedient before me, I will bless you. But if you don't, if you def- defy me, there's going to be curses. Exactly the opposite is going to happen. Your, your crops are not going to produce. You're, you're not going to be able to multiply family-wise. You're just going to be cursed. Your enemies are going to be against you. All that was going to happen and did. We follow through the rest of the Old Testament, and, and we see those who followed and, and, and wanted to pursue God and, and, and live faithful to him, the prophets and, and others, and, and then we see all the disobedient and, and overall, a disobedient nation. Well, we're, we're called to do the same. You know, what we have in Christ, man, the, the valuable gifts that we have received through God and in the salvation we have in Jesus. Amazing. And our hearts should be appreciative. And, and, and we do. We're, we're following through with that. But a lot of times in the salvation that we have, we live with excuses, and, and, and this is a truth, but sometimes we rely upon this. Well, uh, uh, I'm not perfect. Only Jesus is perfect. The, the, the call again from Peter was, hey, listen, you are to be a holy people. We're, we're called to something that, that we've never been able to attain. And it's true. Jesus is perfect. I'm not perfect. But we can't use that for an excuse. Our pursuit from New Testament says, hey, we're learning to live and represent the righteousness, the holiness that God has given us through Jesus. It, it, it is a pursuit of ours. And, and with pursuit, then, then comes that, that righteousness. We begin to change. We begin to become more and more what God wants us to be, needs us to be. You see, again, that nation that he was going to produce out of Abraham was going to bless all nations. And, and in your life as a child of God, you have the opportunity to bless other peoples, the, to, to, under, to come to an understanding of who Jesus is, to come to an understanding that they too could be forgiven of their sinfulness and could live life contrary to the, the common world around us, the sinful and broken world around us. We could come out of that. And it's only through Jesus that we're able to, to reach that. It, it, it comes to this third point, which is very important. That, that here's, here's our life today, okay? We're, we're drawn to that sinful nature. We're drawn to, to being disobedient. It is not easy to follow after Jesus. Let's just say it. It is not easy after Jesus. But he has given us everything we need. We live today dependent on God's action of grace. Isn't that true? We, we depend. I mean, we observed it here. We're reminded of it. And, it. and that in itself ought to bring action out of our lives. It, it's not just come here and, and, and take communion and worship and go home and live like the world. Continue to live like the world. We are a people who's called out of the world. And, and we are dependent upon that grace. Oh, man, daily dependent upon that grace. And, and going before him and recognizing that the, where I stand so different from Jesus. 
So do I have patience? Well, some days patience is good, but some days, well, you know, when trouble comes, patience is fleeting. Or, or it might be uh, lust, or it might be other things that we all deal with. And they, they are things that don't need to be shoved off to a corner. They need to be things that we deal with, that we, we face you know, before God. I, I think David was significant when he prayed, hey, hey God, forgive my sinfulness, and, and if you see any wickedness in me, you know, please deal with that. So, sometimes our prayers need to be, hey, I'm not aware of every sin, but please make it aware. Uh, make me aware of the sinfulness that's living in me and working in me. See, we're called to be an obedient people. We're called to come through Jesus and, and not not just continue to live like the world. We're, we're then called to live as his children. To learn what it is to put away the things of the world and to follow after the Spirit. Follow after the Holy Spirit. God, what has God given us to live holy lives? So that we don't end up living like the Israelites who continued in disobedience. How do we live in obedience? How can we live in obedience living this life in Jesus Christ? He's given us, well, I think what we're doing today is important. And making, and, and, and even more so, I think, how important is it that we're making connections with each other to encourage one another? And, and to, I, I, I've told you several times that after church, man, if you're burdened with something or you're struggling with something, share that with each other. Fine, that doesn't mean you have to share it with everybody, but find someone. Someone that you, you know is, is faithful and, and good and is, is, is mature in their faith. Share with them. Say, man, I'm struggling with this area of my life. And, and, and I'm repented. Would you please uh, encourage me, strengthen me. Maybe even ask me how I'm doing every once in a while about this topic. You know, that, he's given us the church, man. He's given us Jesus, first of all. Where we start absolutely with a clean set. Isn't that wonderful? Sometimes we think, oh man, I, I, as soon as I get everything together and all my, all my, you know, my life straightened out, then I'll, I'll be able to, to come to Jesus. Then he'll receive me. But that's not the way it happens, is it? He lays it out this way. You receive Jesus. That he's your beginnings. And you start with righteousness. Woo-hoo, right? You start with righteousness there and, and, and cleansed in his blood. And now you learn to live that righteousness. Too, too often you think, well, I've got to correct everything. I've got to put all these things. I've got to stop, I've got to stop drinking. I've got to stop doing all these other things. I've got to stop you know, all my sinfulness. And then I'll be okay to receive Jesus. No, nah, that's not the way it is. Receiving Christ and then learning to live in that. And then you come around a body of believers who encourages you and prays for you. And, of course, that word is a part of that as well. You come familiar with the word. You don't have to wait for me to tell you on Sunday morning. But you can open it yourself and begin to indulge in it and, and take it in and, 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 and eat it up. Because I think the Holy Spirit is affected by that. You know, he grows in you. You're promised to have that Holy Spirit. I think that's significant because also there was this... this uh, a description laid out from God of what his intent and purpose is going to be for the, the children of Israel. He said in, in, in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6, he, he said, um, excuse me, I'd have been right there, but I'm not. Uh, 36, he said, the Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants. 
so that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul and live. He's Okay, at that time, part of the law was circumcision, which was the cutting of the flesh. But he says, later on, I'm going to circumcise your hearts. Well, how do we define that? Paul defines that. He says in Romans chapter 2, if you want to look it up, he identifies that circumcision of the heart comes through the entering of the Holy Spirit into our lives. That comes through Jesus. That Holy Spirit then comes into our life. He indwells those who are his people. How, how do we live holy? We have his Holy Spirit covered in his blood. We, we learn to, as Paul would say, we learn then how to walk by the Spirit. And not by the flesh. Not by the deeds of this world. The things that are never satisfying. The things that are only destructive. But we can live life in Jesus Christ through everything that God has given us. It is through Jesus. It is through his word. It is through the church. It is through his Holy Spirit that he gives to us. We can be obedient. We can pursue uh, God. And there is, uh, you know, people are, are afraid of this word effort. People are afraid of the word obedience. They want to hear grace and mercy. But because of that, man, our response is to get into his word. Our response is to take some time to pray. Our response is connect with some believers. And in that, God is enabled to, to, to strengthen that spirit within us and to help us to tackle the sinfulness that's in our lives that he wants us to rid ourselves of. We are his chosen people. Do you understand that? Uh, the significance of these promises is he, he said that he's going to bless all nations through his uh, children. And that has come through Jesus Christ. We have reason to be obedient. We have reason to celebrate. We have reason to live this life honoring of God. We have reason to even go further and tell the world around us that we know Jesus and he has brought us into this relationship with God. We are his children. His favored possession. I love that term. If you've never received Jesus, we're going to take an opportunity here for invitation. But let me... I'm going to pray, and then our team's going to come forward, and, and we'll have that invitation. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you, and we thank you for your word. Oh, Lord, we thank you for these promises that are laid out and established for us to listen to. Lord, it, it has been made evident to us that it's, it's not that we could follow commands. Uh, we're like two-year-olds. It, it's not that we could do everything right. It's, it's, Lord, we continue to fall short of your glory. And that, that evidence has, has made it very clear that we need a Savior. And so, Father, we recognize today that you sent Jesus. And we praise you for the sacrifice he, he committed on our, uh, on our behalf. We thank you and praise you for the identity we have through him to be called your children, your church, your kingdom. Father, we praise you and thank you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.